welcome to Sonic Talk number 394. Uh, if you've been uh, missed last week, you will notice that that is our new theme tune. Uh, that was by Peter Rundgren, who's the winner of the new uh, of the Sonic Talk theme tune competition. At, I don't know, 150, I think, 130, I think it was at the end. And I know I promised I was going to get a playlist together uh, for uh, the, the top entries, but I'm afraid I haven't had time. But I will do it. I, re- I really, 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 really promise. I'm just seeing, because actually Peter Rundgren um, did... Uh, reply in effusive terms congratulations you won he said ah yes hi thank you that is fantastic thank you for a great show what a feeling it was uh, it was to start the show I watch every week and hear my own tune truly amazing I usually watch the show live but wasn't able to yesterday so I wasn't in the chat room so he missed the announcement live which is so so uh, maybe he's there this time so he's uh, very pleased um, uh, and it was done in uh, live and I think he was going to send us a little bit of uh, um information about it oh in fact yes he made it the tune the same day the competition was announced uh got the idea instantly when he saw the animation that was done much by steve blacker and he did it in about two hours he was aiming for a melody so he got some 808 bases the pulse was already in the animation so uh he wanted to capture more subtle he used the guitar samples edited from sugar bites he used most of the sounds were from yuhi Brazil and glitch machines polygon which is an interesting one i don't think i know, um, um, know much about that and uh he put it all together with 30 clips and then sort of cut it together and um slowed it down the voice is uh, veronica slowed down 150 percent that's the uh the Mac in talk uh, sort of speaking voice. So there we go. So thank you very much for uh, your entry and congratulations once again. I also want to say thank you very much to our sponsors, obviously Isotope with us. If you were around last week, you'll know that we have a copy of Isotope Iris 2. Uh, their new, well, I suppose it's not as new as it was, but it's uh, it's certainly new to them. New uh, instrument which uh, allows you to take spectral samples and filter and all those things. We'll have more information on that later, including the uh, winner of the competition and, of course, yet another one this week so you can win it again so uh, fairly soon uh, this this rate of generosity will have got through the entire audience uh, well that's not actually true we've got plenty of people in the chat room want to say thank you very much there's the oops i don't think i wanted that win big i don't know what that's doing there that's probably not supposed to be there but i'm not quite sure how i get rid of that that seems to have just oh that's interesting i now have a um something else. Anyway, welcome to the chat room. Welcome, everyone. I've rambled on for long enough, uh, so I'll get on to my guests. Well, first of all, we have Mr. Mark Tinley, who's uh, who's looking very... Um, well, we're used to seeing him in the kitchen, and now we've got a sort of white wall behind him with uh, what looks like a guitar hanging up. He's in a new venue, because he moved house, so his bandwidth isn't quite... We haven't, he needs to tinker with it a little bit, but welcome, Mark Tinley. MarkTinley.co.uk. How are you? I'm all right. A really long way from the kitchen in this house. It's um, one, two, three, four flights of stairs away. Bizarrely, in the cellar. Um, but I've moved. I have moved. And uh, and I've managed to plug things in. So that's exciting, isn't it? So, yes, hello, I'm here. Yes, I know. You can hear that you're, you're, uh, we're struggling with your uh, bandwidth, definitely. Your voice is, is, is breaking up a little bit. But we'll work on, we'll persevere. Uh, we've also, <clears throat> excuse me, I um, think we might have Dave Spears. He's winging his way back to his house. So he may show up or he may not, depending on how the traffic is. But uh, thank you very much. Anyway, and Rich Hilton was going to be here, but uh, he's um, he's unavailable today. But we've got plenty of guests. We've also got Mr. Gaz Williams. GazWilliams.me, professional bass player, music technologist, producer, all of those things. In fact, Gaz was here yesterday when we shot a whole bunch of stuff on the Teenage Engineering Pocket Operators. And we will be bringing you his findings very shortly. How are you, Gaz? <laughs> yeah, good, thanks. That was good yesterday. It was quite, it was uh, interesting to really get to the 
bottom of these pocket operators i think um absolutely in quite a thorough way so i think these uh i think the reviews should be i'm interested to see what um what people are gonna make of them um people are People have been asking me in the chat room, what have I bought this week? <laughs> Thinking, do I really have something every week? Um, but yes, sadly, I do have something new this week. I, hang on, can I show? Oh, they are pretty. So, so the vaporizers, right? Yeah. And uh, valve amps are really cool. And, and I think what's really nice about them basically i've got a big stereo rig in here uh, lots of uh, effect pedals but um and i wanted to do well hear them in stereo it's a funny thing <laughs> yeah i you know i've got various amp modelers and software amp modelers and stuff and ha uh, it's just not as good is it <laughs> uh and but i'm, I'm putting the synth I'm putting synths through them as well, um, which sounds nice. But those, just a heads up about those Fender vaporizers, they're being sold off for really cheap. They're just a, they were just a limited edition amplifier, just made, they said they were just making them for the year 2014. Um, but lots of places are doing them at really good discounts. So uh, I thought I'd go for two. <laughs> right. Oh, what um, a nice one. Yeah. But they're nice because they're two by tens so they've got they're actually quite a big full sound um and they are nice quiet so if you've got neighbors neighbor concerns and stuff it's quite a nice way to get nice valve big valve sounds at not ridiculous volumes excellent and uh, um uh, yeah no well that, that's good to hear sorry i'm just trying to get rid of this win big which i'm trying to bring because i want to bring the chat room in and it's got ah it's got this Oh, no, that's all right. It's fixed now. Everything's okay. There's the chat room. Fulsome chat room. I'm going to say it again. I don't care. Uh, that sounds fun. So, have you been rocking out then? Have you, have you had any complaints from the neighbours? <laughs> no, not, not not yet. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's just stereo. Stereo, just deluxe stereo is just, just so glorious to, to, to wallow within. <laughs> yeah, no, nice. Uh, sorry, I'm just—I'm still trying to uh, fix this, but I'm sure I'll get there in the end. Uh, I don't know where that lower third came from. It's all a bit random. So if I do that, ah, it's gone now. There we go, fixed. Right. Well, this week, um, and it's a bit—it is a bit—a little bit of a, uh, a light on topics, but we do have some. Um, and one of them was interesting. This came from um, from Rich Hilton, actually, uh, who then couldn't make it. I'm just seeing if I've got the—I should have. Have I got it here? Oh, this is the thing. Have I found? I, ah, here we go. This is the. Uh, uh, they're called. Acusonus Dramatom 2, and this is uh, basically a plugin that allows you to put it across the kit. And uh, if I press a bit here, I've still got that. The gate will open, and you'll still hear the bleed of the hi hat on the. Basically, snare. you can when you get use rid of to solve this. Oh, problem, here we go. The gate reduction think. of the hi hat changes, and the tone of the snare is affected. Listen to how Dramatom pulls out the hat without affecting the tone of the snare. It's an interesting notion. Don't you think? I mean, Gaz, you do a lot of recording. I mean, I know you're more, you're less about spot miking, but I mean, presumably you've had to be mm. in that situation before. Um, mm. 
it's as Rich Hilton actually said because he brought this topic up. He said, "Well, actually, I quite like the sound of drum spill if it's done right. Without them, maybe it's good for drum triggers and that sort of thing." I don't know what you think about this. Hmm, it is an interesting one. I mean, there has been times where I guess this piece of software would have come in useful, but I also wondered whether it would kind of give a slightly artificial sound. You know, where it will sound a bit more like drum samples. Uh, samples yeah because <laughs> uh, it's interesting how the big drum uh like vsts have you know have really gone to great lengths to model bleed you know other mics <laughs> yes that's in. interesting isn't it yeah but i guess it is controllable and i suppose sometimes when you're working and you are getting a lot of bleed and it is a bit frustrating. I mean, mostly it's it's frustrating when you want to do edits, like timing edits and stuff like that on the drums. I think if it's a great drum performance, then the uh, the sort of the bleed isn't such an issue, and does kind of you know contribute to bringing the drums to life to a certain degree. But you know, when you are kind of in that phase game where the phase cancellation that's going on uh, is is affecting the the tone of the drums, then I can imagine. I think this I think this is an interesting piece of software. I mean, it is quite it's relatively expensive, so I do think yeah, it's three nine nine US dollars, isn't it? I think. Mm. So I think it's a, a pro piece of kit that is the the sort of thing that you'd have in your toolbox would be a great thing to have in your toolbox. But you know, I um, as would I use it much? I probably would use it sometimes. I mean, uh, I'm quite a fan of you know I like gating drums, um, and I'm you know I think gates are pretty good. There's some intelligent gates that you can get. Yeah, plug-in gates. So I think this is yeah this is quite a Specialist piece of kit, I think. I can see. Say. I could see it perhaps be very useful for sort of metal when you really want it. You really want to clean it up. And you want mm. to sort of clean, clean because there's lots of symbols uh, and stuff going on. And you point. really want to kind yeah. of delineate the frequencies and have things. But you know, because I mean, the thing is, miking and mixing a kit is not an easy thing. I remember the first time. You know, I, was, mm. I started in Sample World and I used. Li- I, I was a live engineer for a long time. My first time in the recording studio when I had to mix a drum kit, it was just like, oh my god, I don't. Yeah. I have no yeah. idea how to make this sound any good. Uh, not, I, sorry, sorry. The last thing I was going to say though is I've changed from being really into multi miking to more the Glenn Johns school of things of you know as few mics as possible on the kit and uh you know a kick and one or two overheads and i love that i just love i I just love the lack of options that you get with it you know that you, you spend more time getting that right and so to that end, this, yeah, as you mentioned, it, it might be less interesting to me. Sorry, I just wanted to mention No, that. it's very interesting, though. I know, Mark, what you think. It's, it's funny, isn't it? When you mic a drum kit up, it really doesn't, usually when you close mic, it really doesn't sound anything like, it's hard to make it sound anything like it does in the room without a full, without using lots of overheads and ambient mics, I find generally. It's like going like this, isn't it? So you're starting off with, with, with your, all your mics are spaced like this, and then it's kind of like doing that, and it, it it you you narrow the because the electrical signal can travel much faster than the physical sound can travel. You narrow the size of the drum kit by it, it virtually brings all of the microphones in and and makes the drum kit really tiny. So I'm with Gaz. I think a mic in the kick 
and a pair of mics in the room. That is what a drum kit sounds like. A drum kit's got natural space around each of the drums and there's natural time delays between different drums and that creates the whole sense of spaciousness, width, direction, all of that good stuff. So um, having said that, if I've got a, if I've got a snare mic'd up and I've got bleed all over it and I want to put something really really uh, over the top a really over the top effect on it and I've got bleed coming in yeah that's um, it, that that would be when I'd use this when I'd go I want the snare but I want to stick the snare a bit crusher and then I want it flanged and then I want it to go into like a spatial thing so like every time he hits the snare it's just doing this whole thing of its own but if there's lots of like uh overhead ride cymbals splashing into the snare or hi-hats splashing into the snare you can't do that quite so easily um so i guess it would have its uses oh you suddenly but, got better but, excellent you know <laughs> yeah top end arrived <laughs> um but um but i still don't think you know i don't think close mic drums sound like drums in fact i think that's the biggest problem when you uh, you go to see a band live and it has like this big live sound and then they record it. So I've been on stage where I've been with the band on stage and then I've gone and walked into the truck where they've been sending a feed from the stage into a truck and I've sat in front of a pair of monitors and I've gone, this in here just sounds kind of flat and tiny and out there it sounds big and spacious. So what are they doing? And it's taken me years to realise that it's that physical distance between the mics isn't replicated when you get into a recording world. And I really, I wish somebody would design that in. Somebody could write a piece of software that says all the mics are placed like this in the physical space. So let's just create all the time delays that would be happening in the physical space. And then maybe even you can have the listening point. It's so, it would be so easy to do DSP now. And, and, um, I see and what it you would mean. Make it sound really different, actually. Could be a whole new realm of recording if somebody invented that. I wonder if there's a. I wonder if there's actually. Uh, I'm speaking of live. I mean, this might actually be more useful. If I don't know if it's possible for these things to work in real time on a sort of accelerated platform, something like that. But that where it, that might be where it's useful because you can tighten down the spill because you're going to get loads of spill, you know, down the vocal mic, down various other mics as well. Particularly if you've got the sort of band where maybe you've got a quiet singer and all of those kind of things. I mean, that might be quite useful there yeah. to actually just cut the. Because obviously you get a lot of stuff coming off stage, depending on the size of the venue. Maybe that's where it would be very useful. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it would. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much whether it can work in real time or whether it has to analyze it and then pull it apart. I yeah, it did sound quite good though. I mean, when they they went from the the snare with the pattern and then went to just the snare, it didn't really seem to change particularly. I thought, oh, okay, that's no, it didn't. But it's it's interesting what it did though. It it started to sound less like a real drum and more like a sample, yeah. which is really curious yeah. because I mean that's that's purely yeah. that's purely psychoacoustics, really, isn't it? Because you're not hearing the spill. Interesting. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but you know, I could imagine that at mixdown, and when you are trying to just get the fatness of the tone, I could imagine it being a dead good tool. Now and again, I think it would be a really cool tool. So I think, yeah, I think this is a good piece of software. But I do think that its uses are maybe, you know, 
occasional use. Yeah, or I, I suppose the other thing is, you know, if you run a studio and you've got a lot of bands coming through that haven't got budget and you've got to get it through and out the door sounding as good as it possibly can and, you know, tight and mm. the sort of thing that they uh, expect to hear on a record, then mm. putting this on the drum kit is going to maybe, I mean just get you there much faster without because every drum kit's different every you know i mean you might use the same mics every drummer plays differently and the setup's different you know maybe this is a really good way to kind of really tighten the focus on the on the drums because you know as we know when when you're doing demos or any kind of recording for people the drums particularly their live drums are the thing that people just go gosh that doesn't sound like a record all that really does you know it can often i mean one of the things not the main thing obviously mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you can get that via Plugin Alliance. Uh, let's have a look. It's uh, Plugin Alliance. It's called Acusonus Drumatom, as in Drum Atom Two. Uh, removes bleed from microphone drum tracks. In fact, uh, Rich did send us a little bit of uh, information about what he thought about this. I'm just going to see if I can find uh, uh, where it is. Oh, I thought I had it in, a, in an email. Let me just see if I can find it because he said he actually, like he said, he actually prefers the sound of. Uh, drum spill with well-recorded mic kits and i can understand why you might let me see yeah uh if you don't if you do uh welcome to note that in, he says welcome to note that in no case did i think it made anything sound better though it might be useful for extracting drum triggers or effect scenes or placement but in general he doesn't like the idea he wants a positive leakage no leakage on drum sounds um delete expletive to me otherwise <laughs> but I, I think that's a fair point particularly i mean but the, bearing in mind that Rich is a highly experienced, world-class recording engineer who knows what he's doing when it comes to recording drums. So, you know, he doesn't have... It's a problem that perhaps he doesn't actually have, if you see what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay, let's take a look at uh, another quick topic here. Oh, uh, yes, this was interesting. Uh, I found this on Discord, and this was basically... You know, we were, we were talking about... Um, um, Camel Audio and Alchemy that sort of suddenly disappeared and said, you know, that's it. It's over. Uh, we're shut. Uh, and we'll, you can still get support until July uh, the 7th, 2015. And then subsequently, you know, you just, there's nothing else going on, on the site. And it turns out that some people have been doing some digging. In fact, I saw it on, on uh, Discord, uh, which is here, which is Apple Eats Camel, which is a, a, another one of his uh, classic headlines. But then the source of the story seemed to be uh, in... Um, uh, Apple Insider, and basically, it seems like if you check the company registration details now, uh, basically the uh, Camel Audio appointed known Apple Europe lawyer Heather Joy Morrison is now as its di- as its director, and it's relocated to a hu- that the actual company address is 100 Bridge Street, New Bridge Street, London, which is Apple's official UK address. So it does look a little bit like that's true. In which case. There's two points I'd like to discuss here. I mean, I wonder what that means. I mean, I'm I'm guessing, you know, I mean, it does take a while for them to incorporate their new purchases into any release, as we see with Redmatica, that's now sort of... Uh, a, as their technology has been put into ESX sample. I'm wondering if they're like gearing up for a new round of virtual instruments with a, a new release of Logic. I don't know. What do you think, Gaz? Yeah, I mean, we did speculate about this and it and the way that camel just shuttered you know the, the way they shut up shop was very um it, it, i i think a lot of people suspected this and i and i think it's uh i think that is obviously what's happened i think you know it 
It yeah, could be. Actually, I just want to say there's a great uh, a great chip in the, in the chat room, uh, Sonic4289. Apple is buying Peter Frampton next so they can send camel albums to your iTunes. <laughs> Maybe it's a tie-up. <laughs> yeah, like the U2 thing. Um, do you... Hmm. I don't know, but I mean, you know, because we know there's, there's some, you know, there's a great... I did see... Uh, I had a good look at the uh, Logic X, uh, the latest release, and there's some fantastic additions to it. I mean, it, you know, the, the retina display, the rack stuff, it's starting to look interesting. Maybe there is a bit of focus going into that because, I mean, obviously they... On the surface, at least, Apple mm-hmm. don't look like they've been putting a lot of attention into the into into the kind of pro audio side of things. And I know that you know they they are yeah. keen to kind of not be seen like they're they're letting that go. So maybe you know this is good good news, right? Well, we well, we speculated, I think, when we when this news first broke that uh, that Apple may be interested in Camel because of the the fact that they're proficient on both computer and you know on the ios platform certainly on the ipad um which makes it quite an attractive company to buy uh and we on sonic touch were very fond of alchemy yeah it's great you know alchemy mobile uh as obviously a fantastic piece of software on the desktop as well uh and the way that you could essentially whatever you do on your desktop can work on the iPad. And, you know, there was a very nice link up there. So I can see them looking like, you know, they were one of the crown jewels of IO in the iOS world. I think. Yeah. I think Um, that's probably fair to say, you know, so I can see that, you know, they must've got the attention of Apple. Uh, So I'm, I'm quite interested. I'm quite interested to see what will happen. Uh, I think it's a shame for non Apple users though, because Camel, were one of the most talented developers around and so it mm, that's a bit of a well mate, I, we don't know the details yet but it's interesting i know mark I, i'm used i i can't recall whether because you went over to using live didn't you you were still kind of using logic at all or are you pretty much kind of now working in live no, i've still got i've got my world is logic and pro tools and reaper and live at the moment just to confuse myself um, so yeah, I'm still using Logic. Um, uh, I know I've gone back and forth to, to the Camel thing a number of times and never really got into it. I suppose or never really got it. Um, but it really, I, but it's something I I tried sort of uh, Alchemy, is it Alchemy? Yeah, that's right. Um, that was their synth, wasn't it? And I've tried some of their kind of compressors and. I don't know, all sorts of different things. And really, there's only so many of those things you can get your head around, aren't there? I suppose yeah, I suppose that's fair enough. Um, but, you know, things like camel fat, though, has been a real mainstay for people for years and years and years. And in part, I think, even though that is essentially filters and distortion and compressors or whatever, it has this really simple and easy-to-use uh, interface. Um, and I think... A lot of people would be very sad to see camel fat go, I think. Well, maybe. They had loads of public domain stuff as well, didn't they? What happened to all that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. That's a good point. It was a really good squashy compressor. I think I did in the 
in that AU plugins roundup I did about seven thousand years ago. Oh, yes, I remember that. Uh, one of those, one of those things was a cam audio thing, which was actually really good. Thinking about yeah, it, so, yeah, yeah, that's I, an that's an element from Camel Fat, I think, wasn't it? Was it Camel? Someone said in the chat room, Camel Crush. Is it Camel Crush? Was that? Oh, what Camel Crusher. It? Yeah, yeah, that sounds um, right. Well, there we go. I mean, the other the other thing is, is you know what. I mean, you know, I don't know what I'd do if I got the call saying, yeah, we want to buy you. I mean, you could think, oh, wow, that's awesome. You know, I mean, it's one of those things that, I mean, because obviously as a small software developer, I mean, I, I'm assuming they're small. I mean, I, I don't remember seeing large teams and large booths. So I, I, forgive me if I'm uh, misrepresenting, but it must be quite a kind of uh, exciting time and think, oh, well, you know, this is this is the exit strategy, which would be, it would be kind of a kind of an awesome feeling in many ways, and so you can kind of you can understand why one would jump at the opportunity were it uh, were it, uh, to arise in one's own life. No, yeah, but it seems a shame that the whole you know, like when you think about the Red Massacre thing, they just squashed that completely, and it's disappeared for like two or three years, hasn't it? Um, and that was a really really good tool for. Um, sample editing and stuff and i don't think it's really turned up in any version of uh exs 24 or main stage in its entirety yet so no it's um, it's part of the functionality is in is in in main in esx 24 in the new version i believe uh i think that's what i saw in the very latest version yeah that's right it's quite a big update that is it 10.2 i can't remember what the what the iteration is i think it is yeah 10.2 yeah, no, 10.1. I can't it? remember. 10.1, I think. 10.1. Yeah. I just want to say in the chat room, uh, some great speculation. Apple Sonic Talk. Uh, Apple could buy Sonic Talk. Uh, Apple products only. And we could have AppleState.com, according to Andy Keys. <laughs> I, I'm totally up for it, but I, I can't imagine uh, that that's likely to be. But I appreciate the... Um, <laughs> I appreciate the uh, yeah Sonic State Nam videos would just be five hour live streams from the Apple booth, assuming they ever actually had an Apple booth. But yeah, I mean, obviously this is uh, all a bit of uh, a bit of larks. But yeah, I mean, I can imagine it would be a very attractive proposition in to, in many ways. Um, yeah, but there is a flip side, though, isn't there as well? Though that is in the uh, Apple could put a load of money into the that talented development team and that could kind of realize some fantastic ambitious ideas that they may have got and you know so there could be a positive outcome maybe yeah but just to be i'm perfectly okay with uh, sonic beats headphones or uh, isonic or isonic talk that's fine if anyone else wants to get in touch with any sort of uh, propositions of that magnitude you know i'm willing to i'm certainly willing to consider them um, anyway, yeah, that's just a bit of fun. But yeah, do check it out. And, and just breaking news, it's just come in. Did you know Whitesnake have just released that they just announced they're going to re- re- release a new album called The Purple Album. There you go. For those of you soft rockers, uh, David, was that David Coverdale? I do remember there are a couple. I, I, am, I am a sucker for the occasional bit of poodle rock. There are like maybe three or four tracks. And I think Whitesnake was, Whitesnake was one of them. I can't remember what the track was called, but... Uh, I don't think I'll be buying the album, but just in case that's the sort of thing that floats your boat, I just want to say breaking news, you know, these are the sort of things that are important. But anyway, let's get back to um, our sponsors, because our sponsors are, of course, very important to us, and uh, our sponsors are in the form of... um 
Isotope, of course. Isotope Iris 2. Uh, 11 gigabyte sample library now comes with Iris 2. Uh, patches from the Iris Sound Library also comes with an enormous selection of analog uh, synthesizer waves. It really does sound kind of amazing. They've completely redone a lot of the synthesis engine underneath. Now you've got four sample slots, uh, not just the two plus two, uh, or three perhaps it was, I think, in the past. Got five LFOs, five envelope generators, uh, macros, and the modulation system is really nifty. You can see there that in the video if you're watching the video version that you can just root things and you can see exactly how it all links up there's a multi-mode master filter which actually sounds really nice of course there you can see the spectral analysis and the ability to grab certain parts of a waveform this is just a selection of some of the sounds you can individually loop the individual samples uh, with crossfades all that kind of stuff it really is uh, a very powerful synthesis engine and something that's well worth checking out if you take your synthesis seriously uh, you can download it for free uh, for a 10 day demo Iris 2 Sonic, so isotope.com forward slash Iris and that's a 10 day fully functional demo uh, so do check that out and of course if you've been watching regularly you'll know that the, uh, Isotope do sponsor the show and they have in fact sponsored us this time as well from the last week's show we have a winner. Uh, we ask you to tweet out, you will need to tweet, uh, the hashtag Iris2Synthesizer uh, and to at Sonic State and at, Son at Isotope Inc. Uh, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and I got, to, uh, we got a winner. This is uh, Randall G. Hill, who goes under the... Uh, Ha uh, the, the Twitter handle rhill109 uh, he added the little comment makes me sound like I know what I'm doing great work excellent stuff and also while we're at it uh, let's go to the competition win the, this week's competition if you want to win a copy of Iris 2 because they're going to give it away as well uh, you can hashtag Iris 2 too expertly crafted. I'm sort of plucking random phrases from the copy of the uh, of the website at the moment because um, we have been running this for quite some time. And I think we might change it up actually shortly. Um, so at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. If you just tweet basically this, you're entered. But you've got 140 characters, so do add something else there because we do like to uh, have a bit of additional um, extra love and uh, I know they monitor it and we monitor it and it always gives us good fun. So if you want to win Iris 2, that's what you need to do. Tweet the hashtag Iris 2 Expertly Crafted, all one word, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Anyway, thank you very much for the sponsorship of the show. Like, let's move on to our next topic. Now, what was the next one? Um, now... Um, I'm willing to take um, to, to, to take votes on this because I did introduce some of the topics that we had last week, Mark, uh, uh, Gaz, just purely because it was a bit light. Uh, I know that uh, I noticed that Ableton Live 9.2 is in beta, uh, which is kind of another big new because obviously Ableton Live is a massive DAW and kind of revolutionised the way that uh, the composition and arrangement is done on the fly. I know, Gaz, I don't, you're a, you're big into Ableton. I mean, what does this mean to you? Is there have you seen what there is going to be in there, and and is there stuff there that you haven't seen that you'd like to see? Uh, I just having a quick look through this. So, um, latency compensation. Uh, well, there would have been latency compensation before, but uh, what's that? Is well, I've got the... the, the uh, I'll go through it here, and you can catch okay. up while I say it. <laughs> Basically, um, what it looks like, there's going to be improved warping, several refinements to the live audio warping engine, which is well worth uh, having, because uh, I know that it's a very sort of fixed kind of thing, and there is a certain sound to it, so any improvements to that will be um, fantastic. Definitely. Complex yeah. and complex pro modes now feature punchier transients, even at extreme settings. Mm. That's got to be good. Yeah, latency compensation... Uh, uh, improvements uh which 
you could run in terms of Macs for live devices and third-party plugins now have lower latency as well. Automation is fully comp- compensated. There's a tuner. Mm, okay, that's big news. I know. That is big news. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> Not big news, but, I mean, I was using live the other day and I thought, oh, I wish there was a tuner built into it. And, like, especially with all these ARP Odyssey users who are going to be plugged straight into their systems you know i reckon they'd probably appreciate uh, easier access to I've, got the, uh, I've got a really good solution to that what's that um i use a plugin from a company called melder productions and it and their tuner is absolutely awesome it's the best i've tried because i've tried i don't know maybe about 20 different tuners and i settled on that one that one is really good it can do tuning in hertz or in uh, notes and Plus minus frequencies. Oh, here we go. Is, 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 oops, no, that's not it. Is that it there? Oh. Yep. Uh, okay. That yes, I think I've seen that. That looks. That does look nice. I actually. recommend that. It's really good. Okay. It, well, it thanks. Really picked stuff up well, and it's, it seems to be like accurate to the hertz. That's a great tip. Thank you very much. I don't see. Uh, I'm just trying to see how much it costs. Buy online. Forty nine euros. Yeah, a, a part of a bundle. Okay. Uh, okay, well, uh, so a tuner's good. So you're happy with the tuner as long as it's a good tuner because it's easy to make a rubbish tuner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think one of the, the joys of using Ableton Live, as I'm sure many people can attest, is just the kind of the speed and slickness of the workflow. So things like building an, a tuner, <laughs> you know, you yeah. could, you know, you, it, it, anything that that helps in that workflow, I think, is great. Um, I noticed the sixty-four pads then for push. Users, oh yeah, that's which, true. Uh, I think that's cool because you know when you play on the push and you've just got the uh, what was it? You just had like sixteen drum pads, and yeah. then you had the the step sequence a part of it, and 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 yet the the whole kind of uh, drum rack uh, way of lay it, you know, being able to have your drum rack essentially or most of it, I would have thought spread across the 64 yeah because at the moment mm. uh i've got one here uh i think it's just this part here there's a sort of square at the bottom oh i think it's this side mm. actually square yeah. at the bottom which is your, your pads and then you zoom up and down and the and the the step sequencer runs across these pads yeah. here yeah yeah oh i yeah. didn't know that yeah that's interesting so uh, I'm, I'm okay, presuming well, you... so it's 64 now is it yeah that's got to be Presumably, good. it will be a, a choice, though, for the people who want to... Yeah, it, it must be just an extra layout kind of concept there. So that's... Yeah. That's... Yeah, I think that would be pretty cool. I know... Ah, oh, gosh, because it's been a while since I've used Push, but um, a lot of people wanted the step sequence part of the drum programming to be applicable to... Um, pitched notes yeah i don't i don't think they've done that no yet, there is there is a there's a note sequencer as well yeah there is oh, I'm in, sorry. In push. I'm yeah sorry. there is i'm a little bit out of touch with that yeah uh but you know it's good to see them keeping developing push because it's been a while i think uh since there's been much development in push world again i, I am a little bit out of touch with that I, what, the, sorry go the, no just that um one thing that is very nice with a you know, like a point release, like in this, going to a point two, they do spend an awful long time refining these updates these days. Mm. So I think, you know, I think they're they're pretty solid when they come out. So I think that side of things will be, um, 
you know, I'm just seeing a, no more 10.6 in new live, writes Zen Artist in the chat room. I'm presuming that must mean OS, mm. Mac OS 10.6. So it's got to be set 10.7 and above, I'm guessing, maybe. Uh, 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 that's unconfirmed, so I have to check that out. But that, that, I mean, there comes a time when that sort of thing does tend to sort of happen. Um, the one thing I would like to ask for, and this is something that I'm always, is the uh, tempo and the bar counter. I would like a big mode so that you could just see really easily where you are in, in terms of beats and stuff, because I find that very uh, my, very small, I'd like, I'd like a pop-out or some, some way of just kind of going, I want that really big, because certainly um, when you're running live and you kind of just got a glance and you may be looking at the screen quickly, you can't, you know, if you're, especially if you're using push or something, you, it'd be nice to be able to see where you are in terms of bar counts and beat counts. Just And particularly maybe if drummers, if you're triggering clips off pads and things, I think that sort of information is actually quite useful and something that I think has been missing um, as well. Hmm. So, so I have a, been a, oh, Mark, Mark, yep. I was going to say, I have another tuning um, thing here. I'll just bring this budget out. I bought one of these. What is that? Is that a it's robot tuner? Tronicle. Oh, you got the Tronicle. Yeah. So I put it on this guitar and it robot. It basically, I, I press this button on the back here, and then I strum it. Did I hear everything just going? Zzz, zzz? Oh, I can see them whizzing around, yeah. zooming, just about make it out in your pixelator. But now it's in tune, which is bloody brilliant. <laughs> That's how. Yeah. And you can change the drop tunings, like drop. G or drop B or drop A, um, drop A, open G, open A, um, and uh, so and quite quickly as well. You just like dial, dial it in on the back and say, so I want to change to open G, and you strum all the strings and it goes. Oh, that's twenty neat. seconds later, you're in open G. It's brilliant, really good. That's quite handy, especially for live. I'd imagine if you've got kind of multiple well, songs. I, I'd done a tour with a guitarist using uh, robot tuners on a Gibson and he was tuning between sets and I'm sure it took longer than it would have done just to go and... No. <laughs> oh, maybe, but not to switch between tunings. The thing is, when, you're on, when I'm on stage, I never I can't uh, differentiate between when I'm in tune and when I'm not. <laughs> and, if I'm, and if I'm using a tuner, like I... The best tuner I had on stage was a Korg one, which was quite good. But I, the boss or the early boss ones used to swing around all over the place. If there was any other noise on stage, it used to cause cause them to uh, give kind of spurious readouts, and then I'd end up with my guitar just basically out of tune. So I just kind of like this because it's. Um, does it do, will it tune if will it tune say if you've got slight intonation problems you hold down a bar chord for instance will it tune to that or a capo or that kind of thing hmm. i don't know the answer to i know it can only tune uh it goes to where it goes to close where it thinks it needs to be and then if it's if it's more than a tone out or two semitones it will uh it get it's gets lost and struggles and you have to get it so it has you have to be in the ballpark the strings on you've got to be within uh you've got to be within a tone either way otherwise it gets completely confused and just starts winding them all over the place. <laughs> i'm, ju- I'm just thinking what, what happens if you get like a software crash in it and it just goes crazy and starts kind of cranking uh, cranking all your strings high and low and all over the place that'd be quite uh, 
that that might be quite fun to witness perhaps not to it uh, quite interesting it could, it? It could I, be I, I would record it i guess and i suppose really <laughs> if you thought if you think about it that sort of thing could be tuned so that if it's i don't know how fast the motors are in it but you know so you could actually have that kind of steel pedal kind of thing so you go and it bend like maybe two strings or whatever i don't know I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm rambling really i know nothing about such things it would be like triggering it in time that would be interesting yeah, I suppose that's that. going to break my neck. I haven't, it hasn't broken any strings. The strings are, uh, they've screwed down at the top. Um, the only thing that tends to knock it out of tune is the fact that I've got that trapeze bridge on it at the back. And it has, and, and that rings, and it's got this really weird kind of ring to it. So if you're really, the guitar's really cranked cranked up it's like a oh you get like a harmonic a that is confused spring reverb on it it's kind of like this, <laughs> you know it has its own kind of chord which isn't a chord right okay yeah. well thank you for that that's uh worth knowing um so yeah live nine uh, has gone into public beta uh, well not public beta, closed beta i think in this month i'm not sure when it's going to be actually out out uh, but i'm guessing it's going to be sometime fairly soon i mean gosh with music messer coming up uh, there's going to be some stuff incidentally if you haven't checked out already we've started putting up videos from the uh, Utrecht um, Dance Fair, which was on uh, this weekend, Ed filmed quite a lot of stuff. We got a little bit extra with the JDXI, which I've actually got coming this week. So I'm hoping to be able to get my hands on that and mess around with it. Because I know people, it's getting a lot of bad press, but I'm looking and I still think, actually, that looks really useful for just throwing mm. ideas down. So uh, obviously, with judgment reserved until I actually get the thing in my hands. Uh, and Ed's got a bunch of really interesting workflow discussions with lots of other people as well. So it's pretty cool. The JDXI does look good, I think. I, well, in, in principle, yeah. I like, yeah. I like the notion of it, definitely. Um, so we'll see whether or not, I mean, you know, I guess, you know, it's like a, a kind of microcorg on steroids. I mean, you know. Yeah, that's... I think that's the thing. If it, that's, you approach it like that, I think it's an important uh, distinction to make. And, you know, for, for some people, if it was like their first synth, I think that'd be an awesome, awesome synth to have. Yeah, no, I mean, when you consider what my first, I think my first one, well, was a D. D110, which you know was very capable, but not an, an awful lot boring. of fun to use. And I got, yeah, uh, well, it wasn't boring at all. Like I made some of no. my biggest selling records using that <laughs> that particular combination. <laughs> but, no, but yeah, but it's boring to operate, isn't it? Hard work. Yeah, it definitely no. is. Like they said, MT32. If you have the Doctor T editor on the Atari ST for the MT32, you can do quite a lot with it. Yeah, that's true. The actual the, the square wave and the and the the one <laughs> i don't know if it's a triangle or a sword, I don't know. Maybe there, there is they can something. be fed through um resonant filters and stuff and you yeah. can sort of it's, i mean yeah. you can't put resonant filters is, on samples but yeah. it's still good was can, period, though. there was a period of time from maybe about maybe i might be wrong about this but about 1986 1985 to about 1992 where yeah. the user interfaces of these keyboards you know, with a very thin yeah. LED and hardly any hard hands-on controls. So there's a, you know, that is well, a, it was the, the it was bleakest, the bleakest period. It's interesting. It's it's the advance of the microprocessor. Oh, oh, an editor. Well, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. But just if without the editor, the actual units themselves, I think they were going for this kind of minimalist thing. It started with the Yamaha FBO one, I think. Because you got the Yamaha uh, DX100, and then it kind of went into the Yamaha FBO1, and then it kind of continued until the. I mean, I've just bought a JV80, a Ronan JV80, and that's got lots of controls on it. So I guess they kind of 
brought the controls back in around that point. Mm. The JD800, I remember seeing that when that came out. That was oh, like a return. That. Yeah, well, that was all good stuff. And also, uh, to take things in a completely different direction, we've also got some amazing <laughs> pieces coming up. Uh, we shot with Alessandro Cortini uh, very kindly. Uh, you may have seen I had a bit of a chat with him on the uh, Make Noise booth, I think it was, uh, on the Sunday. And uh, he very kindly invited us into his house. And we went there on our day off uh, just before we flew and shot quite a lot of footage of him showing us around his Buchla collection and making some noise with it. And it's a real treat. I can't wait to get that out there. But now we're struggling. We've got all of this stuff to go out and we've got Music Messer approaching. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of video coming out shortly. So uh, do stay tuned for that. Um, Okay, right. What else should we have? Um, We had Camel. uh, Oh, yeah, non-linear approaches to songwriting. This, this, out on the face of it, seemed like quite an interesting... uh, 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 article and this was uh, tweeted out. I've been following um, Keith McMillan on Facebook. I thoroughly recommend you do that because they post a lot of really interesting pieces. And this was one of them as I was uh, sitting around last night trying to figure out what we're going to have on the show. And I just thought that headline was actually quite interesting. But um, th- th- this is on Keyboard Mag. I'm not uh, by Craig Anderton actually. I, I didn't realise he was uh, still writing actually. But uh, good on you, Craig. And th- this is more of a kind of introduction to the notion of it because I mean I, I'd imagine that uh, we often work in that way anyway because that's what DAWs are often used for rather than regular recording (laughs) but I I just wondered whether um, there are anything specific about that that you kind of thought hmm that's an interesting approach Mark Mark, I switched you on (laughs) I won't like that anyway I think Um, I just do everything with loops and then pull the loops apart eventually and turn it into a song so I don't really I sort of I almost think like the arrangements and afterthought to anything I'm doing. So I'm kind of like, well, this is a cool vibe, or this is a cool groove, and I'm doing whatever. And then, and then it has to, it has to be kind of expanded out into something later. Yeah, um, which is, I think, ultimately so I what think, what he's talking about there, really. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just sit going round and round and round, stacking things on top of things, and going that works with that, and this doesn't, and blah blah blah. And um, I, I definitely don't sit down I have done it a bit more recently with sit down with a guitar and try and work out the song but I still think in loops so I'm still thinking okay how am I going to record this in sections and then I can paste my and jump around between sections and decide on the arrangement much later so I I don't sit down and think I've got to work out the intro and then the beginning of the song then the verse then the chorus I'm thinking I always think chorus first I think yeah, I think yeah. that's often the Try way, isn't it? Work out how am I going to get to the chorus and what's the verse going to be like? Mm. Um, I've noticed that all songs at the moment sound the same. <laughs> it might be because I'm 52, or it might just be because all songs sound the same, but they've all got that chorus now that goes... Da, 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 da. Every song. <laughs> so... Have a little curly rap in the verse. Well, all songs like that sound like that. (laughs) There you go. There's a free sample for you out there. If you're listening to the podcast, you can take that and turn that into a hit. Mark has just outlined exactly how, obviously, you might need to bit enhance his his public but no it's very interesting you say that but i was i was thinking i I mean just coming back to it i was thinking actually something quite different in that yes most songs are very formulaic but what's really interesting if you listen back to maybe some of the stuff that you know in your youth you were or or when you were more musically sort of listening to the the 
what was coming out in pop, if that's what was indeed the way that you listen to music. You listen back to, say, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, and the arrangements are just insipid and obvious and really kind of like, oh, God, really? You know, I mean, I'm guilty. It's like, okay, double chorus at the start, verse, half chorus, uh, double cor- double verse, double chorus, middle, you know, and breakdown chorus, top of the... Po- and I used to do very formulaic, but now I find that, you know, there's actually much more interesting arrangements like half bridge sections and people are essentially taking the same formulas but but being really quite radical and interesting with the arrangement which keeps it interesting it's essentially the same thing i don't know whether you've you've noticed that sort of thing guys i mean i'm guessing your stuff is well i know your stuff is quite a, a, a interesting arrangement anyway it just then doesn't tend to follow the same those same patterns yeah, it's interesting. I, I did work in pop music for about seven or eight years. And um, I remember when Richard X started coming on the scene, a Brit, uh, London-based producer. I think he's London-based, but certainly British producer. And he was like producing a lot of kind of mainstream acts. Like he, he had success with um, Girls Aloud, like Sounds of the Underground. And- oh, yeah. I remember the Richard X mix was the one that was apt. There was, uh, the, uh, I forget the name of the, 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 the singer. She was in S Club, Rachel somebody or other. And he, the Richard X mix was an absolute dead ringer for uh, Gold Fraps. Um, oh. <laughs> I want to go, want to Gold Fraps. You know, that glad. In fact, you, you're getting that kind of glam shuffle actually is, is really quite front and centre now at the moment in many um, mm. UK pop tunes. But anyway, just like to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, there was, you know, I, I, I noticed a definite shift in the actual arrangements of pop songs around that period of time, um, which may have coincided with I'm uh, just trying to work out when that would have been, probably early 2000s. Um, more maybe Ableton Live, possibly workflow, possibly coming yeah. in and be, being able to sort of a, a, being able to apply a non-linear way of working. Um, you know, because prior to live, especially if you're working with it's very audio, difficult, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very difficult. <laughs> Insert yeah. a two-four bar here, no chance. You know, it's like oh, that's <laughs> going to throw everything out. I can't deal with that. Yeah. Um, I've had that problem, actually, (laughs) where I've been working on something, and Warren Cucurulo is a stickler for these bizarre little turnarounds in the middle of things. And I think when I first started working with uh, Duran, I was using uh, Notator. Um, Good luck with that, yeah. (laughs) And and I I always worked pattern mode, and he was like going, right, I want a two-beat turnaround here. And I'm like, oh, God, how do I do that? Because I've got to get... I've got to get the pickup from the vocal back yeah, in. Yeah, it's the, the boundary stuff that's the issue, isn't it? A, I know. Oh, no, maybe I didn't have to get... Yeah, no, I did. I got a sample of something, and I had to get the pickup of the, the sample before... So I had to get something happening before the pattern started in this two-beat breakdown, and it, it, you have to be good at maths to work out how to make it yeah. work, basically. And you have to think of shortening sections and lengthening other sections into them and stuff yeah that's where it becomes difficult but yeah you're right guys i mean there is a lot more uh creativity in the arrangement these days maybe not in the kind of general formulaic approach to what makes a pop song but the actual you know i mean the software is better than ever for coming up with interesting creative music you know so yeah i wonder why we're not maybe seeing enough really amazing new stuff coming out yet whether whether it'll take a while for some because of the it defaults because defaults. it defaults to four four uh, and well, yeah, people maybe. get the computer in front of them and probably a lot of the younger people are probably just hitting the computer for the first time and learning to use it and it's stuck yeah. in four four so that's a fair point um it takes it takes uh 
a certain amount of musical experience to do things in anything other than 4-4. And uh, then by the time you've got that musical experience, you've been doing it for 20 years or so, or maybe longer, you're probably not making well pop truly used to the sound of 4-4. And it's, like, it's a really kind of... It's a tough departure to make, I reckon. That's an interesting point. But I'll refer you back. Obviously, we um, the chat room is saying that, uh, yeah, what about your brother, Adamski? You know, he did the, the – and he's still doing the uh, the three four stuff. So, I mean, that's kind yes. of – Yeah. Yeah. So, worth checking out Cutting that. the last beat off everything. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's his technique. Yeah, no, I mean, what he does, yeah, he, work, he, work, he works in 3-4. Yeah. <laughs> God, imagine making an arrangement Which if you work that really way. well, actually. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Um, so, yes, if you want to check out any more of, uh, of that, I mean, just uh, uh, some things to ponder there, perhaps, um, for sure. Um, again, again, just saying one more thing about that. Again, it's a very deliberate departure from what he's given the user interface, isn't it? Because he's got the user interface in front of him and then he just goes, right, I'm going to stop there instead and cut that beat off. Um, it's, yeah, and so you need to you need to do it deliberately, I suppose, because it, you're still yeah. presented with 4-4 as a default. Gaz, what are you doing? So you've you've started to make some sound. What's that? Have you, are you spontaneously com, com, um, composing? I was... Um... I just let me just turn this auto latch off. <laughs> um, you leaned across your keyboard, <laughs> and it was in sustain mode. <laughs> well, I've I, I, I've uh, I borrowed uh, the Waldorf Strike Fet. Oh yes, that's right. Um, yeah, and I've been playing around with the uh, with Cubase Eight and the chord pads, and uh, I, it, you wouldn't have to have it attached to the Strike Fet, but it makes the Strike Fet is certainly a well. It's just fully cool. polyphonic, isn't it? So you just kind of you know you can you can go right up to the red zone on chords. The the don't press this button, it, yeah, because when we did your uh, the thing about using the chord track, it was showing these kind of really advanced ones, and they're sort of dangerous chords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've been having um been having lots of fun playing around with the uh, the, the the Strike Fet in sort of um using using it um to to play chords and uh what i've been doing is is doing a whole stream of chords um basically you can uh, there's preset chords that you can load onto so if you're using like a a 16 pad thing you know like a you know like a multitude of these pad controllers um then you can you can load up a preset of chords where oh, okay. where's suitable chords can be mapped across the different pads. Uh, and then you can actually t- latch them. So when you trigger a chord, it continues to play, but then you can make them um, like go into this legato mode. So when you play another chord, any of the same notes in the existing chord will continue to be latched and only the new chord, only the new notes of the chords will will change uh so that's a really ace way of working because you're just kind of hitting yeah pads. Like that. Oh, particularly with string pads as well i'd imagine yeah with string pads and with the with the strike fet it's awesome because i got one hand hitting pads and the other hand on the controls of the strike fet you know so so it's a good a good example of like uh hard, hardware because we had the strike fet yesterday weren't we nick sort of yeah. in that it's like a you know it's not a lot more than a plug-in cost but you know, like physical plugins is you know really there's nice. something to be said. Mm. But just 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 about the uh, the, the writing strategy, um, 
so I play a whole bunch of chords in, and then, uh, well, I use a thing on Cubase called the chord, uh, the the uh, arranger. But there's other things that have maybe similar kind of functions. But uh, I'll just listen to my chord changes that I've done fairly randomly, and then I'll just define regions of the interesting chord changes, but um, not be too worried about the time signature. You know, like with trying to make the changes maybe everything is is to a pulse but not worry too much about nice even bar lengths you know so there could be odd bar lengths or even yeah okay odd time signatures but it's a quite it's a quite an interesting way of working and uh, that's what's been floating my boat lately well that's an in interesting terms idea a non yeah, a sort of non-linear approach in that well it's kind of linear i guess in some ways but um, spontaneous cording i suppose yeah i've just had an email in um just going back to the day i've just had my uh, the email the price from korg that i can buy this little combination not including the eventide h9 which i uh, people have been asking is it an h9 max i have absolutely no idea i don't know how you tell um i haven't got the box here at the moment but yeah so now i'm really seriously thinking about that because i'm i'm connecting in it with it in a big way but uh the problem i have noticed and this is completely random and sort of tangential is that i was looking because i thought oh if i could sell my original ms20 and i have a few hundred quid spare i buy you know not an h9 or maybe an h9 that sort of effects that gives me that sort of shimmery you know or delay or whatever but on a on i on honestly on ebay uh youtube original uh, MS20 originals aren't going for much more than 650, 700 quid. It's absolutely, it's really surprising, yeah. Unless you've got like a, a fantastic flight case or, you know, it comes with a, I saw them with a Kenton Pro Solo uh, and that was about 750 and that seemed to have sold. But it's, it's really kind of like. Does that mean that all these clones are murdering the price of the originals then? Yes. I would say that, is that is the def- same. Is the same true for the TT303 and the TB303, I wonder? I'm not so sure because that's not there aren't as many of those around. Uh, whereas well, you know, the TB three hundred threes. Well, either you know, it's not. Well, a, there's, there's loads of TT three hundred threes, so aren't there that the base bot or whatever? Maybe um, some. Well, no, maybe you're right. I haven't. I haven't looked. I haven't looked to be honest. But uh, yeah, it's a bit. Ooh. <laughs> there goes my uh, my, my daughter's inheritance. <laughs> <laughs> start selling those polysynths soon before they start bringing in more of those out so i can get a decent price for the for whatever so it's it's interesting though but but yeah as i said you know i i was jamming a bit before the show just uh just just because i can jesus well i said the last tb3 i saw a matrix was 2800 pounds i saw my 50 quid i'm not going to go into that no we've heard that story (laughs) it's a a very sad tale still (laughs) i mean that that is a shocker. Well, the worst so, part is it wasn't mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you did all right then, didn't you? Uh, well, no, because the guy who, whose it was keeps saying to me, when are you going to give me my 303 back? He's yeah. still asking me all this time later. Get, like, get, thinking, this is getting harder and harder. Get a base bot and put some transfers on it. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have to do that. <laughs> but yeah, interesting. But uh, yeah, I'm now in a bit of a quandary. I don't know what to do because I, I, I get the MS20 desktop so much more than I get the MS20. I just don't. I never, I, even though I've had it for 20 years or however long it's been, I, I just don't get it in the same way that I do with this. And it's uh, so yeah, I'm going to have to do some hard, long, hard thinking. Not that I've got any money whatsoever. Um, so let's have a look at uh, what's our next um, topic. We've probably got time for one. One more. Shall I? Um, shall I just play a few of these? Oh yeah, okay. Chords. If you've got it, yeah, go on then. Here we go. 
Let me just say, I load up. Uh, I, I did have some chords. Um, ah, sorry. I thought that was going to be a yeah. lot quicker there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so when you said, shall I just play some chords? I thought that's exactly what we really get. <laughs> it was working. It was working. But I changed the. Right. It's very quiet. Oh. I tell you what, I'll come back to it. Come back to it. All right, I'll then. Maybe it. you can play I'll, us out with it. All right, let's find another uh, another topic. Um, oh, this is actually cool. Let's because uh, um, let's see. This was the uh, I forgot this here. Where it is? Yes, this is the uh, MIDI widget, uh, which I've actually just invested in. Um, this is basically this is pretty neat. My name is John Staskovich. This is the MIDI widget. It's a device that allows you to control almost anything in the real world via MIDI messages sent from your computer or from a MIDI controller. It can function as the brain for a music robot, a lighting controller, a guitar effect switcher, or lots of other things. The MIDI widget accepts MIDI input via a traditional 5-pin MIDI connector or via a direct USB connection to a computer. No special drivers are required. It appears as a standard MIDI port in your favorite music software. It also works with the iPad camera connection kit. In response to MIDI input, the MIDI widget generates 24 independent 5-volt logic signals. Add your own relays or driver circuitry to control just about anything. No programming is required. Use the MIDI widget configurator software to select the behavior for each output. The outputs can respond to MIDI note, CC, program change, and sync messages. The MIDI widget can be powered over USB or with a separate power supply or battery. The MIDI widget design is already complete and has been beta tested. I, I won't play. Oh no, I, I, I will play. Um, the reason I was interested in this is uh, obviously, I mean, those of you who perhaps know, you know, I've been working on Raspberry Pi-based kind of LED switches and stuff, and essentially all of that development is now available on that little board. So I can send a MIDI note in and a light will go on, you know, for instance, at a basic level, but it could do so many other things as well. And I just thought that is really cool. Um, uh, and I did pledge one today. I think it costs about 60 bucks. Uh, and he's got 19 days to go. He's kind of just over halfway. I, I don't think there's been a huge uh, number. I think I was the last one because it was at 48 before I did. Oh, there we go. You pledged 63 bucks. There we go. So I'm a backer. Woohoo. But I just, it just kind of got me thinking about this whole, you know, I, I'm still. I'm still trying to figure out what it is that MIDI doesn't do that people get really kind of like, oh, it needs to be so much more than, than it is. And I, 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 I've, I've yet to be kind of totally convinced that it needs to be massively updated. I don't know if you've been watching, but there's been that recently there was a round of consultation for the MIDI.org uh, who are working on the spec for 2.0 and they've asked for input from, uh, from users. I think there's a form. I think we published a news item on it and it's, um, it's kind of like, you know, a very long-winded consultation. I mean, it's obviously a lot harder to do than the original MIDI, which took, you know, much less time and everybody was cooperating. I just wondered, you know, what is, is there something I'm missing? Do we really, what, what do we actually need MIDI 2.0 to do? Uh, is it higher resolution controls or what is it? Gaz, <laughs> do you know? You're muted. <laughs> You're muted. Oh, he's playing the chords. What do you think? Mark, I mean, wouldn't you like the idea well, of being I able think... to MIDI control all these things? You could have it switch the lights on. You could have it do all um, sorts of things. I think that uh, the one thing that's missing from MIDI in terms of being able to automate stuff is the fader re resolution on mixing. Um, ah, okay. Yeah. But apart from that, it works pretty pretty well, doesn't it? I mean, uh, maybe if it was faster, maybe if it was... Uh, uh, because if you play a lot of notes, it's a serial interface and it's 
an older 8-bit or 7-bit, isn't it? Um, uh, so if you play lots of notes, they tend to like, chain up and... But that, isn't, that, isn't, that, that, isn't that just down to the old hardware rather than the actual protocol? Because that, if that's going over yeah, USB or a faster bus, then it's not so much of an issue? Um, it's not so much of an issue if it's on a fast USB bus and you've got lots of set, if you've got each of your MIDI synths on a separate cable. It used to be that if you had everything chained together, they would all get a bit sticky. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I really, I have bought a MIDI keyboard. I bought a Roland JV80. I keep saying, yes, talking about it. I'm very excited because I bought it off eBay for fifty pounds. Woo! And actually, it's got a classic kind of Roland mod wheel and pitch bender and quite a nice key bed, so it's perfect for me. Um, whether or not I get around to using the sounds in it or not, I don't know. But in terms of it controlling Logic or Ableton or Reaper or Pro Tools with MIDI, it does it brilliantly. Yeah. And then it probably is going to be the only MIDI cable I have in my studio. Um, being the MIDI out from this keyboard into yeah. my computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, so I think I think actually I what know. I think I think the the point is yes you're right fader resolution so con- higher resolution controllers that, across multiple yeah, channels because yeah. at the moment you could only really use that if you're using maybe the pitch bend which gives you the uh, eight bit control which is should be plenty for a fader but that's only one per channel and then you need multiple ports so if you had a massive amount of tra- uh, tracks then that would be you know problematic then you're going to end up with quite hard a, a lot harder stuff uh, harder to implement I suppose. Gaz- I was going to say, I'm sort of looking at this and thinking, well, maybe I could automate everything in my house, but this is not how I would do it these days. Um, I'd go out and buy those Wi-Fi switches, which are about £30 each, and you put one on each of your light switches, and you can control it all from an app on your phone. So I, it, the yeah. wiring to control 24 things in my house from this would just be, it would be silly. So yeah, well, that's fair putting enough. it on Wi-Fi, as long as it can find the Wi-Fi and log on to it, and I can find the Wi-Fi and log on to it, I can walk around the house turning the lights on and off or changing the colour of the bulbs. Yeah, well, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I think Gaz Gaz may indeed be uh, ready to demonstrate uh, some Steinberg action. Let's have a look. Okay. I might have to go and get on the uh, MS a sec. Hold on. Once again, my attempts to uh, do anything musically meaningful from a long way away while not being able to hear it properly uh, just embarrassed myself once again. What you did was lovely there, Gaz. I can see what you mean. There was a sort of Jean-Michel Jarish vibe going on there with that sort of phasing, it sounded like a string machine type of thing going on. It's just so nice that you got your hands relatively free, you know. I mean, yes, you can do it with the play chords on your keyboard. Well, the thing I found was... 
with something like that that has full polyphony it was the same when i had the casio uh px uh piano which was just an 88 key it was very you know very low cost 88 weighted keys when it and it's got like 256 note for polyphony and just the fact that you could just kind of let everything ring out and play loads of yeah. notes and stick your foot on the sustain pedal and you can do the same thing with the strifet with a big keyboard and there it is there's a different sort of feel you know you don't have to octave up and down and stuff so i can see the, the attraction there yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, sadly, I'm going to have to give the strike fed back, but I think it's a, uh, I think it, it's, ooh, Are you it. tempted? I, I am tempted, I think, because I just, the, the, the fact that it has a very specific purpose and that it doesn't do more than, I mean, it, it does quite a lot within itself, but it doesn't do, um, you know, it is just very much a focus and that the controls are not having to multitask um that everything is just easy yeah. to adjust and i think uh you know and they they're good i think they're uh, only a couple I of think, hundred they're a couple of hundred quid aren't they mm, yeah. and uh it's it's a super impressive sound yeah everybody's everybody who hears it just absolutely loves it and yeah when it came out people were kind of thinking it's a bit of a joke or it's a well, in part to do with their uh... yeah, their sort of sexy kind of port slightly <laughs> sort of soft porn kind of uh, Vaseline yeah. screen kind of uh, approach to the marketing that they were doing. Yes, I agree. But uh, no, it is a great uh, it's a great sounding little uh, keyboard. Yeah. I think I, for those who are interested, if you want to wonder that, if you search YouTube, uh, then you can check. I, I did a review on it where I, I I gave it a reasonably good workout. But uh, everybody's going to do things slightly differently, of course. Uh, what I should mention, while if you're still watching this on YouTube, and I do believe some people do get past the first couple of minutes of this show every week uh and you haven't subscribed then you know you know what to do just subscribe and then you won't have to worry about um finding it again because we you do this every week um that feels like a good place to maybe uh, consider the stopping of this week's show because we have uh, we have covered a lot of ground and it's quarter past five and um all of those things. But I want to say thank you very much to everybody. Thank you especially to our show sponsors, Isotope, for their continued sponsor of the show. Remember, if you want to win uh, a copy of Iris 2, uh, you need to tweet out the hashtag Iris 2 Expertly Crafted, all one word, and Iris 2 is at Iris and 2, and to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. So please do that if you're interested in winning, uh, and congratulations to our winner this week, who was, of course, uh, just in case you missed it, Randall G. Hill, as at rhill109 on Twitter. So do let me know who you are, and the Isotope Fairy will... I stoke very the crap out of it, as she very kindly put in one of her emails, and I just thought, that's what a great notion that is. Isotope, isotope ferrying the crap out of a prize winner. There you go. You've got that to forward to, to look forward to, Randall. Anyway, I uh, want to say thank you very much. Um, thank you to uh, Mark Tinley, who's there in his new abode. I'm liking it. I just think we need to get you um, wired up somehow, because it's definitely, the bandwidth hasn't really increased, so there must be some blockage in your pipes somewhere, is all I can assume. Mm. <laughs> But thanks for I'll joining look us. In the router. I'll look in the router and see what it says, and I will uh, I'll run a three-mile Ethernet cable right around the house. <laughs> well, see if that makes any difference. Okay, well, thank you. That's very much appreciated. But thank you very much, Mark, for joining us. A pleasure to have oh, you, yeah, as welcome. always. And I hope uh, your unboxing, uh, your packing of unpacking of boxes does not last 10 years like it does when most people move houses. Uh, we've done it in a very special, uh, clever way, actually. 
and that is that we only had six boxes <laughs> and we only moved from around the corner. So we kept going to the house and filling the boxes up and then bringing them here and then emptying them out and putting everything away. Oh, so we've neat. Only got, or maybe I had a few more than six. Maybe I've got ten boxes. But what it means is most of the things have come out of boxes and gone into places. So there's very few boxes um, lying around. The kitchen's pretty good. Excellent. Like That's good I work. Have no idea where anything is because Gina put everything in the cupboards. I know so how that works. I know how that goes. I know um, how that goes. Um, that there's something about the fairer sex that goes into a sort of everything. I need to reorganise the house mode every couple of months, and then you just go. Yeah. I just need. Oh, where's that? Where's my? Uh, you know. Uh, it just. It, give her. Uh, to give her credit, she did say to me, right, I've organised the kitchen. Do you want me to show you where everything is in the cupboards? And I was running around with an electric drill putting up shelves, and I just said, no, no, not now. I'll do it later. And uh, you missed a chance. Right, she's gone back to work. So. Ah, um, so now you're home alone. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Mark, well, thank you very much, as I said, for joining us. It'd be a pleasure to have you on, as ever. And also, I will say thank you very much to Gaz Williams over there in Bristol. You'll be seeing a lot more of Gaz recently. We're going to do a uh, pocket operator week or thereabouts, I think. So that's the plan. So do stick it, do check that out. So thanks, Gaz, for joining us. Yeah, no, pleasure. It's always plenty of fun. And um, yeah, great. Yeah, so check out them off. Op- pocket operator uh, reviews yeah they'll be going up soon i'm going to try and get onto those tomorrow uh, i do have other reviews in the pipeline as well uh, and also want to say thanks to ed for the dance fair coverage i think he's been in the chat room so answering various questions and uh, putting his uh, point of view across there so thank you very much uh, do check out it's uh, dance fair 2015 is the kind of uh, headline pre pre-headline bit so you'll be able to find that stuff there so anyway that's it thank you very much uh, for watching everybody this week and of course congratulations to our theme tune winner um and that's it for sonic talk number um three nine four was it three nine four three nine four good lord there we go anyway that's it see you later